crazy. He thinks he is Santa Claus. Why, I don't care if he thinks he's Easter Bunny. You've got to get it back. He's insane, I tell you. We'll just have to hire somebody else and have him do the same thing. Oh, no. no. You heard what Mr. Macy said. We've got to keep him. But what if he should have a sudden fit or something? Oh, no, no. I've got to tell Mr. Macy. But, but maybe he's only a little crazy, like painters or composers or, or some of those men in Washington. Welcome to The Rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any. And if you disagree, join the discussion at The Rank Podcast on Twitter or X, threads, Instagram, and TikTok on our website at therankwithjohnandzach.com or at our email address, uh, therankwithjohnandzach at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at The Rank Podcast. That's patreon.com slash The Rank Podcast. And you can check out clips or full episodes on our YouTube channel, The Rank with John and Zach. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. This is why I think I'd be a good comedian, because I feel like I could, I could turn sad things into funny. Yeah, mine personal tragedies and, uh, and make comedy out of it. Or why not? You go get a drug problem or something. You'll be all set. Yeah, no kidding, right? That's the, that's the only problem for me is that I feel like maybe I don't have enough personal tragedy. So <laughs> yeah, it's not hard to come by. I mean, they're they're all right out there waiting to be taken. There's a whole world of personal tragedies out there for you. Just reach out and grab one. Reach out and grab one. I don't know. I mean, I've had my fair share. I think. Yeah, you know, every, you know, I know everyone has whatever, but I think. I think more, perhaps more than a lot of people in your demographic. I would think so too. And I'm, and it, I, I like that you said in your demographic because that's kind of the perfect way to put it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Because, yeah. Right. Cause obviously I, you know, it's not, I haven't had it as bad as like <laughs> some, some, a gay guy in Uganda. Right. Yeah. Whatever. So like, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Poor guy. <laughs> um, I'm now feeling sorry for this hypothetical guy. <laughs> well, there's plenty of those hypothetical guys in Uganda, and uh, it's not good. Yeah. But As, yeah, uh, so Chelsea uh, Handler would think. say, "Uganda, be kidding me." That's a good one. <laughs> did you come up with that all by yourself, or did a room no, full of what, monkeys? That's write what it for you? Uh, Chelsea Handler did. That was the name of one of her specials. Oh, okay. And then she got a lot of shit. Good one, Jill. That's I don't, I don't really know why you'd get shit exactly, except, aside from that it's a silly pun. Well, I think it's like uh, I, can't, I can't remember why it was something about like white privilege type shit that she got, <laughs> which like I bet there was what a good reason she got shit. Who cares? Yeah, it's, I try not to, you know. Okay, be mad if that's if that's what you know. Whatever, I'm not gonna. It's not an argument I feel like getting into. <laughs> no, seems right up your alley. No, I don't care. Listen, um, I was like trying to think of a color that I could say for lives matter, and I was like, nope, none of them work. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, Green Lives Matter you know what? actually no. should become a movement. That's like an environmental movement. 
Yeah, that 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 could work. Um, what what about the plants that aren't green? What plants? I think, aren't I, I green? think just about every plant. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, what about flowers? And I'm like, no, they still like are technically green. <laughs> just the flower parts are not. You know, some are kind of brownish. That's true. I was wondering if you were thinking of mushrooms because that's not a plant. Um, it's not a plant. I know. I learned that, and it freaks me out because they're not a plant or an animal. They're a fungus. Do but, you remember when we were when we were kids? I'm convinced. I'm sorry. I'm saying no, this. Go for it. That they told us that there were three kingdoms, and that's fucking it. And then you grow up, and you come to learn that there's like fifty, or there's not fifty, but I think there's like five. Everything's either an animal of a uh, uh, plant. That's it, actually. I guess. I'm sorry. You hear animal my or plant? Yelling. That's a cat. I thought it was a kid. That was a cat. What is your cat so angry about? I have no idea. She just walked around the corner and was like yelling, and now she's looking at me. Maybe she was sleeping. Like, oh, I didn't know you were here. <laughs> I'm kind of guess you're sleeping, and you woke her up. She's like, "Motherfucker, I'm trying to get my cat nap in." Anyway, that was a derailment. Sorry, but I, I was going to agree yeah. with you. No, that's okay. Because, I mean, I feel like they teach you a lot in school that's very, like, black and white. And then you get older and you're like, this is not black and white at all. Exactly. You know what I always enjoyed? You remember in Braveheart um, when he first meets his uncle? Um, and uh, the, I can't remember what it is that he can't do and the uncle's annoyed at him. Like, the uncle's like, you know, you have to learn how to hunt or something. And... uh He's like, I don't know how, because I'm just little William Wallace. And he says, well, we'll have to remedy that situation, shan't we? And yeah. uh, I was like, remedy? Wow, I've never heard remedy used for, like, a behavior. Um, I used, seems pretty because of Braveheart, pretty cool. I use uh-huh. remedy something, like, all the time. Yeah, so <laughs> I was like, what a neat usage. Thank you, random Scottish guy who is not historically accurate, but whatever. I don't care. I mean, I, I think... Every girl I've dated, I've asked, like, mm-hmm. if, I, if I've if i asked them, like, have you been here question, or do you know how to do this, and they say no, mm-hmm. I always say, well, that is something we shall have to remedy. And they're like, wow, I'm swooning because of your accent. Yeah. And you're like, no, no, no I'm not actually Scottish. And they're like, oh. <laughs> they, they didn't yeah, know up to that point. Um, yeah, they just met you. <laughs> but, because, uh, you know, it's... Mel Gibson repeats it later to his lady love when he asks if she mm-hmm. can read. And oh, is it reading that he can't do? No, no, it's not. Well, I think that's, I don't know what it, what it is for William Wallace when he's a kid, but the wife, yeah. the future wife says, well, yeah. it won't do you, won't do you any good because I can't read. And he's like, mm-hmm. can you not? And he, she goes, you know, no, I can't. And he goes, well, that is something we shall have to remedy. And then she goes, you're going to teach me to read? I. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that scene. Not that scene. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that movie eventually, I guess. 1995. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Um, I can't remember what else was nominated that year. Apollo 13. Not that it matters, oh, Apollo 13 is a dang good movie. What else is there? We'll have, see if, we'll have to see how this holds up as adults, you know? I, know, I haven't seen Braveheart. I haven't seen Braveheart in years. I loved it as a kid. I just yeah, I have this we'll sneaky suspicion that it's not going to be as good as an adult as it was yeah. when I was a kid. I, I kind of agree. It's still like a lot of fun and good in a lot of ways, but maybe some issues with it. We'll see. 
All right, you ready? I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the other three because it was Braveheart, Apollo 13, The Postman, but not the Kevin Costner one, obviously the Italian oh, one. Oh, Il, Il Postino. Postino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With Massimo Troisi, and uh, yeah, who died? I know. And then Sense and Sensibility. Oh, I love that movie, the one with uh, Emma Thompson and That's Hugh right. Grant. And I've never seen it. Um, and what's her fa- the Ang Lee one? And what's her? Fa- Why can't I think of uh, the Titanic? What's her name? Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. <laughs> I'm sorry, I hit the, I hit the desk because I was <laughs> a startled dog. It's okay, Shay. No, nobody's like mad or anything. <laughs> startled dog. Weird. That's funny. And then the other one, last one, Babe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the movie Babe. <laughs> That's kind of a good year. I like all of those movies. I know, except for Real Postino, which I've never seen. Well, hey, how about how about um, the segue will be? We were talking about Il Postino, and the post office plays an important part in this movie. Does it? In Miracle on Forty Thirty Fourth Street? Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. Um, okay, it's like, did, you're like, did you, did you watch the right movie? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little confused. It's the one with but, Matilda, uh, right? yeah. Yeah, no, no, not the one with Matilda and oh. and, uh, and, uh, and the Jurassic Park guy. <laughs> they spared no expense. Um, <laughs> well, they should have, actually. They should have spared all the expense and not made it. So that's okay. <laughs> I never see this, so I, I'll trust that I'm you're sure, correct on I'm that. Sure. I haven't either. I'm sure it's fine. It's just unnecessary, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, I mean, like, they haven't remade A Christmas Story or It's a Wonderful Life. It's weird to me that they remade mm-hmm. Miracle on 34th Street. Although I guess I can, I can kind of see it. See it, you know, it's like uh, updating the modern take on Santa. Like, mm. anyway, I don't know. Well, that 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 actually is interesting. I suppose we'll talk about it. But this, the, our last Christmas movie was very religious in nature, and like barely mentioned Santa Claus. And this one's entirely Santa Claus and hardly religious at all. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. I noticed I that like too. I like it too. Um, uh, why don't you yeah, like an agenda? Take. Well, uh, <laughs> our agenda is when we go over the whole the whole show from top to bottom, which uh, you're in the middle of. Well, you're at the beginning of experiencing, but um, you've already heard our opening banter, which was probably kind of weird. I don't really remember how it went. <laughs> um, then, then followed by uh, sometimes I don't know the banter until like we're editing it. Like if I'm editing it, I'll be like, "We talk about this. I don't remember any of this." <laughs> but okay. How do I make anything coherent out of this? But uh, uh, followed by, um, let's see, potent notable or a movie a movie summary, right? And then potent notables, <laughs> where we talk about potent notables that are potent, and uh, followed by the movie overview, which us talking about the movie from beginning to end. So if you haven't sat down and watched this all-time Christmas classic that is on every year, I guess do so. Um, Spoiler alert. Followed by the rank, where we rank the movie on. Yeah, spoiler, please. Where we make the movie on ten categories on this series from one to ten, with one being the worst, ten being the best, and we'll see if this was the best picture of nineteen forty-seven. And um, I can't remember now. Forty-seven. Yep. Keep forgetting. Nineteen forty-seven. We'll see, because the uh, Bishop's Wife did pretty well, but we're two Christmas movies this year. That's fun. So yeah, that leads us directly to uh, what we're ranking today, right? Miracle on Thirty Fourth. Yeah. Year. The nineteen forty-seven film starring. Maureen O'Hara and John Payne, with a story from Valentine Davies and the screenplay written and directed by George Seaton. It was nominated for four Oscars and won three of those four, which kind of crazy. Yeah. 
You wouldn't you wouldn't have expected this one seventy five percent of the Oscars it was nominated for, right? Well, people uh, they were they were uplifted. Well, well, the only one it didn't win was Best Picture, but it did win Best Supporting oh. Actor for Edmund Gwen. Edmund Gwen, there we go, who played Santa. It also won Best Original Story for Valentine Davies and Best Screenplay for George Seaton, which is just fascinating to me. Because there's no... They enjoyed... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say they enjoyed the story, I guess, but... Well, but I mean, there is no so the picture. original story Oscar category anymore. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, there's an original screenplay and an adapted screenplay, but if you came up with the story, you don't get shit. <laughs> Poor John Long. Exactly. John Long. He he's been, he's been frozen it. out. He really should have. For Miracle on 34th Street, the remake, which he also. Right. Every single year, that category, John Long. Well, Frank Dukes was the one who came up with the story for this one, actually. Okay, yeah, because he's very Christmas-themed, I know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, in, in his story, the mm-hmm. judge and Santa have a uh-huh. like, death battle at the end. Oh, God, <clears throat> I would watch that. I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> well, Miracle on 34th Street follows Chris Kringle, who claims to be the real Santa Claus, becoming Macy's Santa. As doubts arise, a court case ensues to determine his true identity. Chris, with the help of a lawyer and a young girl, works to prove he is Santa. Through various heartwarming incidents, he spreads Christmas joy and magic, impacting those around him. The film climaxes with a courtroom decision on Chris's authenticity. Film climaxes. <laughs> <laughs> Moving All on. over Santa. That's why Santa's beard is white. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I was gross and then you were grosser. <laughs> I like the idea that we're doing this as a Christmas movie to put out near Christmas time. And I'm talking yeah. about come on Santa's beard. Okay. (laughs) So on to our second 20th century best picture nominee. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Another, uh, you said that last time, and it surprised me then, it surprised me now. (laughs) So I think the bishops... decided to dip into the archive. Exactly. Into a whole other century. So I think the bishop's wife was better than I was expecting it to be. And this Mm -hmm. one is known as a classic. So yeah, I had never actually seen it though. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I felt like going into it, there was a good chance that this will end up higher on the list just because it's a more mm-hmm. well-known movie. Um, yeah. What were your expectations? I mean, you'd seen both movies. Yeah, I'd seen both movies, and uh, I'd seen this one at least every year of my entire life. I think. So including I this one, I don't one. know if I had expectations. Yep, including this one. Probably want to see it again as well before the the month is the months are out because Christmas gets like two whole fucking months. But uh, uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know if I expected anything. Kind of know how I feel about it, but it is interesting to look at it with a more critical eye rather than just a chilling out in the living room eye. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why I was I was sort of wondering like if if uh, if you had thoughts on what on how I would rank it. You know what I mean? Like how the collective cumulative mm-hmm. rank would end up, but. Um, so who is it in your household that's like, we got to watch Miracle on 34th Street? Is, is Hudson a big Christmas movie person? Into Christmas, and I am really not. We're like a sitcom. 
<laughs> Sounds like a real fun sitcom he's for the, Hudson. He's the Pope. He's a chimp. They're detectives. <laughs> Open the job. But uh, that's us. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, really... Anyway, so uh, I'm like I'm like the Christmas character in every Christmas movie who hates Christmas, except I never get convinced to like Christmas. So <laughs> I just continue disliking it. Oh, that's so nice. Wholesome, really. So I, I am I am super uh, qualified to rank these movies. <laughs> well, just as a recap, well, actually, I'll be bringing I'll be ahead. bringing like a like a pessimist side to this. I'm, it's it's hard to get me into the magical spirit, so we'll see if this is for me. Yeah, I'll be excited to find out. Sounds like it really did. So just as a recap here, um, Brooklyn is still on, on the top of the list of Best Picture nominees, and Sideways was the best of 2004. So we've done 2015 and we've done 2004. Brooklyn and Sideways were the, the ranks best for those years. And now we're on to the second movie of 1947. And Gentleman's Agreement is what actually won Best Picture. So we're going to find out if that was right. So, But before we yeah, do that, let's I feel like that. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I feel like that one is much less remembered than this one, but I don't know. It definitely is. I don't even know what Gentleman's Agreement is. So, so I assume it's a yeah. handshake between gentlemen. <laughs> yep, that's the whole movie, beginning <laughs> to end. It's I rated Spencer the handshake at 10. It's Spencer Tracy and Clark Gable shaking hands. Yep. Yep, exactly. Star it's power. very firm. So uh, what were you going to say? Well, before we do that, let's get to the Potent Notables for Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. Potent Notables. So, as always, we start our Potent Notables with the box office results. However, with the older movies, box office results can be pretty hard to find. So, yeah. um, as an example, and I did this with uh, The Bishop's Wife as well, but on Box Office Mojo, which is where I find the box office results typically, it said this movie made nothing domestically and $527 <laughs> internationally from Australia. That's a hit. <laughs> So, now, I don't know if you remember... I love the idea that not a single person went to see it domestically. Not one. Not, <laughs> not even one. the filmmaker. They're like, mm, I'm good. But no it thanks. made $527 in Australia in 2021. So Australia is particularly susceptible to, to miracles on, on whatever street. They don't care which street. Any miracle will do. They just look to find it in the billabong. Um, so, I, f- <laughs> I found it... So just like with uh, The Bishop's Wife, I found an old Variety article. So now with The Bishop's Ooh. Wife, the Variety article was from 1949 that listed the best, the, mm-hmm. the highest grossing pictures from 1948 and somehow had The Bishop's Wife on it from mm-hmm. 1947. So that's fun. Um, now this one I found, it was January 7th of 1948, and it gave the top grossing movies of 1947 which were all the movies that made at least $2 million in rentals, which means profit, okay. in 1947. So, um, in, so, interestingly, there's a caveat at the beginning of this list in Variety that says, quote, mm-hmm. such late 1947 entries as Gentleman's Agreement and The Bishop's Wife have been excluded from this list, end quote. Mm-hmm. 
Nope. So, <laughs> showed up on the next year. So, so according to the article, Miracle on 34th Street made $2.65 million domestically. Mm-hmm. The film grossed over four times its budget. Oh, okay. So, so that's better than, than, than nothing. Yeah, it's quite a than bit. Than zero. <laughs> um, so the movie had been filmed for a good chunk at the actual Macy's and Gimbel's location in New York City. Mm-hmm. And since they had decided to film here as opposed to a constructed set, there were like a ton of issues the filmmakers faced that could have been avoided. Um, yeah. So the amount of camera equipment, lighting, and more meant that the uh, studio needed a ton of power that the store itself could not provide. So the cords for the okay. equipment often had to stretch all the way down to the basement of the store to the additional power supply. And the film was shot during a bitterly cold New York winter, so on several occasions the cameras literally froze. <laughs> like, not froze like like the programs we used to edit freeze, right. but actually froze all the way through. Yeah, I I think that's hilarious. So that's, okay. <laughs> it's intense, right? How cold was it that winter? Kind of too cold. Yeah, that does not sound like a winter I want to be shooting on location. So Maureen O'Hara remembered that a woman named Vaughn Mel lived across the street from where they were shooting exteriors and allowed the crew to warm up, warm up in her house. So in gratitude, O'Hara took her and her husband to the famed 21 restaurant, and she was so excited all she could drink was a glass of milk. So excited all she could drink. All right, whatever. I thought that was a weird sentence, so I was like, well, that has to go in. (laughs) Whatever makes her happy, I suppose. Well, the cast and crew were unanimous in their opinion of Edmund Gwen. They loved him. Alvin Greenman, who played Alfred, called him a dear, dear man. That was a quote. Dear, dear man. No. Mm-hmm. It would be kind of sad if you should have. Yeah, right? And Robert Hyatt, who played Tommy Mara Jr., said in a 2001 mm-hmm. interview, quote, he was a really nice guy, always happy, always smiling. He had this little twinkle in his eye, end quote. So they just went out and found actual Chris Kringle for this yeah, one. they found Santa. And Maureen O'Hara added, Quote, by the time we were halfway through the shoot, we all believed Edmund really was Santa Claus. I've never seen an actor more naturally suited for a role. End quote. Now, now have you seen Shadow of the Vampire with John Malkovich and um, I can't remember Defoe? who else? Willem, Willem Defoe, Defoe, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's Willem Defoe. It's, it, the, 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 the premise is that they're filming Nosferatu and, and uh, F.W. Murnau actually goes out and finds real a real vampire and he's playing you know, a vampire on screen, but he's a real vampire. So this is just exactly that. This is Shadow of Santa Claus. <laughs> Shadow of Santa Claus, the 2023 Zach and John remake of Miracle <laughs> on 34th Street. <laughs> remake of the Miracle on 34th Street and Shadow of the Vampire, thank you. Actually, you know I'm gonna what? Have it, more than... it wouldn't be a remake. <clears throat> it would be like how... Uh, what was it? Reimagining? The... It would be like what was the the disaster artist was about the making of the of room of the room or whatever. Oh yeah 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 exactly. That's what that's it would what it be. would be. So I mean, awesome. <laughs> I kind of like it actually. It's kind of a fun idea. I think that'd be a good Christmas kind of idea. I think it could work, especially given that this is apparently the case that they actually were like, well, he's just Santa. <laughs> Alrighty then, he's just Santa. Well, according to Natalie Wood's biographer. 
During the shoot, she was convinced that Edmund Gwen was actually Santa Claus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it wasn't until she saw him out of costume at the rap party that she realized he wasn't Santa. I didn't know he was a rapper. I know. I wonder if he's good. It's He raps presents is what he raps. Oh! <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> So when Edmund Gwen accepted his Best Supporting Actor Oscar, he said, quote, now I know there's a Santa Claus, end quote. Oh, he's like, because it's me, bitches. <laughs> Rode off in a sleigh right inside the auditorium. And they're like, holy shit, where's the hole through the roof? <laughs> it's really cold now. Exactly. When this is why I don't, this is why. Los Angeles. <laughs> exactly. He just brings snow with him everywhere he goes. He throws it out like it's like salt. He's Salt Bay, except for snow. He's like, take that. But what were you going to say? I was going to say that this is why I'm no good at Christmas movies, because I tend to turn them into weird shit. <laughs> well, I think it's fun. And People don't like weird shit in their Christmas movies, though. They're, they want, like, sweetness. And I'll be like, and you know what? Actually, that's why I guess we're well-suited to this, because you were willing to make even grosser jokes about Santa than I was. <laughs> Uh, well, both Macy's and uh, yeah, poor Santa. Both Macy's and Gimbel's were approached by the producers for permission to have them depicted in the film. Both wanted mm. to see the finished film be first before they gave approval. So, if either had refused, the film would have had to been extensively edited and reshot to eliminate the references. Yep. So, fortunately, kind of a isn't that crazy? I think you'd think they could just read the script and be like, "Yeah, well, sounds good." Exactly. Whatever. But fortunately, at the test viewing, both were pleased with the film and gave their permission. That's nice. Maybe they were, like, concerned about, like, them, that maybe they would be portrayed as corporate, like, like greedy monsters. Because they were like, what, why would we do this and blah, blah, at first? No? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Edmund Gwen improvises reaction to the beard pull so that Natalie Wood would be surprised, and it was real because he grew it himself. Not only that, but the actor also gained 30 pounds before filming to fill himself out. Yeah, that's. I was offered the role to play Santa as well, which is why I gained 30 pounds. Me too. Still waiting on that call. They offered it to me, and then nothing's happened. I could play Santa. I got a nice beard. Well, shit, you, you'll have to play um, Edmund Gwynn. What's his name? Edmund Gwynn in our... In our, in our in Shadow of Santa of Claus, yeah. Shadow of Santa Claus, yeah. Yeah, you have to bring... I want you to bring a slightly sinister approach to this role because I want Santa to be just, like, like delightful in public, but, like, in private, it's kind of weird because Santa's, like, a, a spirit, you know? He's, like, an otherworldly being, you know what I mean? He's not just... He's a spirit of Christmas, so he's still good. But he's kind of like beyond human understanding. He like exists just past our ability to to perceive and get and un- really understand. Just beyond our ken, you know. Yeah, I I I, uh, I appreciate the note, and I will take it under. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm really I'm really uh, I'm really jumping into this director's role I have here. I'm wearing like a like a beret and sunglasses and like a white a black turtleneck right now. <laughs> you didn't well, know that, but I didn't know that. I can't see you, but I that sounds spectacular. I um I also think we should change the title. 
Instead of Shadow oh, okay. of the Santa Claus, I think it should be either Shadow of the Kringle or mm-hmm. Shadow of the Claws. Ooh, I like Shadow of the Claws. Me too. That's why I put that one second. So, let's go with that. Okay, cool. We're, we're settled then. Yep. People listening to this are going to be like, are they really going to do this? Or <laughs> Hey, if it gets big enough, you know, sure. Um, yeah, support us on Patreon if you want to see Shadow of the Claws. Exactly. Maybe we'll do a Kickstarter or whatever for it. Um, is that what it's called? You know, you know the Beat. Yeah, Kickstarter. And, me. Uh, you know the Beat. Yeah, go for... either one will work. The uh, back in the sixties, uh, the Beatles nearly funded an entire production of Lord of the Rings just because they wanted to see it. So really, maybe we'll get, maybe we'll get someone rich. And they'll be like, that actually is really cool. And I'll have ex- an extra $10,000. That'd be cool to get a See if we can do it all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want it to be a shadowy benefactor, though. Like, we never see who it is. They're just, like, always swathed in black, like, black shadow. And, like, anytime they're on, like, they only address us. They only address us through, like, a laptop screen that a lackey in, like, a black suit comes in and holds. And they're, they're like, you know, they're all fuzzy and, like, not in focus and everything. And they use, like, a, like a voice distorter, so, you know, we can't figure out who they are. Am that I going was, perhaps a bit too far was, with this? No, no, I, love, I loved the impression of a voice distorter that you just did. How did it sound? It actually sounded pretty distorted. Yeah, I just put, I just made like a two fists, like I put my hands into fists in front of my mouth and spoke into it. Oh, I feel like you've probably done that before. <laughs> this isn't my first rodeo, <laughs> as far as voice, as far as imitating voice distortion. So let's move on. I'm... Well, Valentine Davies got the idea for the script while struggling through the Christmas shopping crowds, trying to find a present for his wife. The commercialism he saw made him wonder what the real Santa Claus would make of it all. Mm. That's actually kind of fun. I know. I thought that was a cool premise that he had. So when Dr. Pierce explains Chris's belief that he is Santa Claus, he he offers for comparative purposes a Hollywood restaurant owner he believes himself mm-hmm. to be who believes himself to be a Russian prince, right? Despite mm-hmm. evidence to the contrary, but he conveniently fails to recall his name. So this was a reference to mm-hmm. Michael Romanoff, owner of Romanoffs okay. in Hollywood a popular hangout okay. for movie stars at the time. So people, so at least some people would have recognized that reference right away. Right, exactly. Isn't that sort of fascinating? It's like a, it's like a pop culture well, reference for, the 19, for 1947, you know? <laughs> yes, it's something that I'm pretty sure you and I missed. It's just, <laughs> just, just watch it in 2023. <laughs> Doesn't know what year you're in. Um, I have no idea. The house in the film, you know, that... Uh, that she that she wants, right? That Natalie Wood wants. Oh yeah, yeah. Was actually real and not an assembled set at all. It's located in Port Washington. Yeah, they it's located in Port Washington, New York, and the house still stands today. So if you were to visit it in real life, you would find it nearly identical as it looked during filming in 1946, apart from some small cosmetic changes. That'd be a pain in the ass to live in, because like. You'd have to keep it the same because, like, idiots would come over and be like, I want to see the miracle. They're, like, all old or, like, really into Christmas. So, like, you have to, like, okay, come on in. Be a pain in the ass. I feel like it's worse for Natalie Wood because she was forced to live there for years. Um, But anyway, nothing for that one? Okay. I thought it was funny. I started thinking about poor Natalie Wood is all. 
and I started <laughs> thinking about the circumstances of her of her death. And yeah, got me a little weirded out. Yeah. While the film received a B rating, morally objectionable in part, from the highly oh my God. In, what yeah, was morally yeah. objectionable? Here? Yeah, this was from the highly influential Legion of Decency, and it was because. <laughs> <laughs> the Legion of Decency. What yeah. a fucking sinister name! <laughs> Jesus Christ, who's the, who's the who's the head of this? Lex Luthor? What the fuck? <laughs> Legion of Decency. I don't. I don't like this at all. I'm glad. You know what? It still does exist. Like uh, the family council or whatever. Right. These Christian assholes. But like, but like at least they have, those guys are announcing themselves as a fucking evil organization. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, it was because Maureen O'Hara played a divorcee. Oh, okay. Sorry, she's a, sorry. She got divorced. Morally objectionable. Jesus Christ. You know what? I just decided the Legion of Decency is the mysterious benefactor beyond behind our movie, and they're pressuring us. Oh, I love to it. make her not a divorcee. So we're actually, you know what? We're gonna make a movie about us making that movie, and it's gonna be about the Legion of Decency trying to exert its influence on us. And the name of that one will be Shadow of the Shadow of Claw of the Claws. Exactly. <laughs> We'll see how deep we can go here. We'll <laughs> how con- we'll contact- can we make this? Yeah, we'll contact Christopher Nolan to direct that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm directing the the first movie, but he'll direct the second movie. Yeah, and we then, can't um, we can't handle that many layers down. Definitely not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not up to that at all. So, in the untranslated dialogue with the Dutch girl, Chris mm-hmm. asks her what she wants for Christmas, and she says she wants nothing, telling him she got her gift by being adopted by her new mother. Oh, that's another Isn't sweet that part. Really sweet. And they just don't they don't even tell you. There's no subtitles. As far as we know, they're talking about groceries or something. Right. So John Payne, he hoped to do a sequel to his dying day. And he even Aww. took matters into his own hands. Quote, this is from Maureen O'Hara. Mm-hmm. John really believed in and loved Miracle on thirty fourth Street and always wanted to do a sequel. We talked about it for years, and he eventually even wrote a screenplay sequel. He was going to send it to me, but tragically died before he could get around to it. Oh, you, you know who killed him? Who? The Legion of Decency. <laughs> I thought that's where you were headed. Absolutely. <laughs> died in a divorcee? Yeah, died in mysterious circumstances while writing the sequel, which probably, I don't know, had something objectionable like... They were war white after Labor Day or something, and uh, and they, they stole the script. Yeah, they stole. They still have it. Right, because is, Maureen O'Hara finishes this quote by saying, "I never saw it, and have often wondered what happened to it." Yeah, it's kept locked up along with the Constitution, and we are going to learn all. Nicholas Cage to find it. Nicholas Cage will star as as Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I've decided. <laughs> He's already done that though, and the unbearable weight of. Uh, You're absolutely right. That doesn't whatever. work. That doesn't work. We'll figure something out. You know what? Nicolas Cage will star as Pedro Pascal. Oh, I love it. There you go. I knew I, I knew we'd get it. there. All right, so I'm actually, Maureen... I'm actually I'm actually kinda liking this now, the more we talk about yeah, it. It's it's funny because my head like right now I'm like thinking about the potent notables, but my head is like, no no no. <laughs> Let's plan this out. Exactly. Now we've got, you know, the Legion of Decency that has, like, a copy of the original Constitution yeah. um, where, like, actually good things happened. And they were yeah. like, no, this is indecent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, they're, they're like, out to censure our very way of life. I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. 
Oh man, this is fantastic. It's actually it's what the Freemasons have been battling forever and we don't even we didn't even realize that they're actually oh battling my God. for good. I love it. I think I feel like we need to fit the Templars in here somehow. I don't know. Oh, the Templars. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Well, it's like you know, all these organizations are like yeah. aligned in some way. They all have allies, and that's how they yeah. they've kept the uh, the battle underground for so long. But it's going to break yeah. out. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's you know, like the deterrent. Are, exactly. People are going to go see Shadow of the Shadow of the Claws, and they're going to be like, "This is a Christmas movie." <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. I didn't. I didn't see the first one though, so I'm a little mixed up. Oh man! <laughs> I, didn't see the, I love the idea that somebody would go see Shadow of the Shadow of the Claws. I saw claws there were the like, first oh. one. They're one of those people who are like, "Oh, you want to go to the movies?" But I don't know what's playing. Let's go to the movie theater and pick it out from the marquee. No, they're, they're like, "Oh, that one has claws in it. It must be Christmas." Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's like the people who went to see Bad Santa, and they're oh, yeah. like, "This was awful." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's rated fucking R. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, you should have noticed. Anyway. I, I, yeah, yeah, let's move on to quote notables. <laughs> Maureen O'Hara's time with Natalie Wood was something she always treasured. Mm-hmm. Quote, I have been the mother to almost 40 children in movies, but I have always had a special place in my heart for little Natalie. She Aww. always called me Mama Maureen, and I called her Natasha, the name her parents had given her. End quote. That's another sweet part. I don't like all these sweet moments in this movie. <laughs> well, we got one more. This is the last potent notable. So a lot of this stuff is taken from Maureen O'Hara's autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like this this one nicely summed up what the film had come to mean to her over the years. Mm-hmm. Right. So, quote, everyone felt the magic on the set, and we all knew we were creating something special. I am very proud to have been part of a film that has been continually shown and loved all over the world world for nearly 60 years. Miracle on 34th Street has endured all this time because of the special relationship with the cast and crew, the uplifting story, and its message of hope and love which steals hearts all over the world every year. I don't think I will ever tire of children asking me, are you the lady who knows Santa Claus? I always answer, yes I am. What would you like me to tell him? <laughs> Another sweet moment. Isn't that just delightful? I loved that when I read that. I'll... Yes, I am. What would you like me to tell him? That's just mm-hmm. incredibly sweet. That's all the potent notables. Well, actually, I got to say, as, as non-Christmassy as I am, I like that, like, it would be disappointing if this kind of movie had a bunch of, like, nasty shit. <laughs> yeah, involved. right? A bunch Nothing of bad like potent notables. But these were all very sweet, so I'm actually happy. <laughs> Because people might be listening and be like, this this Zach fucker, he hates children, he hates Christmas. Like, why are we doing, you know, like, a, uh, a po- why are we listening to a podcast where, where Ebenezer Scrooge, but he never got better? Um, <laughs> well, he went, you haven't been visited by the, uh, the angels? Not yet. Christmas I keep waiting. past, present, and future yet. Uh, yeah, I keep waiting, but it's uh, the only people who visit me, are the, visit me are the Legion of Decency. But, uh... <laughs> But no, but I actually, you know, it's just I'm curmudgeonly, but I, you know, I, I do have soft spots for things. So. Mm-hmm. They're usually on your head. Um, that hasn't, still hasn't fused. I'm waiting for that. <laughs> All right, well, let's go on to the movie overview. People like to walk up to me and poke it. Like, wow! <laughs> forget something every time they do. actually touch your brain. Yeah, it's very weird. Movie overview. 
Wow, I didn't realize, by the way, that 20th Century Fox had their logo back in 1947. I know, isn't it cool? It is cool. I don't know, I just... I don't know why I didn't know that. I mean, it, it makes sense, but I don't know. It just seemed like it was almost too futuristic for back then, but maybe mm-hmm. not. I'm curious if Universal is going to have that same thing. I think it probably did. I believe it did, but I, now that I think of it, I don't know. It's just like, how did they do that back then? Um, movie trickery. So cool. It was really fun to see it in black and white, too, I guess. Mm-hmm. So. So the, this guy playing Drunk Santa is a really good actor, by the way. Oh, yeah, he's great. Really fantastic. Now, now the real Santa, Edmund, here is going to show up, mm-hmm. and he's very upset with Drunk Santa. Oh, yeah. And he's like, how could you do this? You know, kids oh. are counting on you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. By, the, by the cute interaction, did you mean Santa at the very beginning? Um, oh, it is. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. When he's talking to the guy through the glass. Through the store, yeah, the yeah. toy store or whatever it is. Thank you, thank you. I, I just remembered that we start with him, actually, in our... I was thinking, I'm like, I feel like it's Santa Claus, but I can't remember what, what and he's, he, and he, he did. He's like telling yeah, he's, him the... The Order of the Reindeer. The Order of the Reindeer. <laughs> Which is funny that he can tell the difference between, you know, model reindeer plastic, you know? I, I know, and there's like, they're not even in color. How could he tell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's used to everything being in black and white. He's from the olden days. That's right. Well, he lives at the North Pole. There's really basically just white up there. <laughs> anyway, let's not go back to that joke. <laughs> well, actually, I was thinking of, you know, the fact that you don't see any black people at the North Pole, but yeah. Oh, also true. <laughs> so here's what I thought was funny, right? Because we're trying to portray this guy as like the this wonderful Santa Claus, right? Like mm-hmm. nice guy, everything. And, like, one of the first things he does is threaten the drunk guy with a cane. He's going to hit him with a cane. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he has he has a lot of tolerance and a lot of love, but not for this. Yeah. For this tomfoolery. I was thinking right at the beginning here, do you think there's an alternate universe where Santa really is real? Uh, it stands to reason there might be. Right? If there's an infinite amount of universes, you'd think there might be one. Mm-hmm, there could be. That there's, I want to see that one. You want you wanted to see the movie about it, or you want to see the universe? No, itself? I want to like, see the universe itself. Because my my see, like in my imagination, it's like Santa's real, right? Mm-hmm, but yeah. if you have these kind of super powered abilities, then it probably wouldn't just be su- Santa, right? Like there would probably be other people that have lived forever, and uh, it just makes you wonder, like, is Santa battling these other guys? You know? Okay. You're, you're coming up with the premise for another really good movie. <laughs> so just go ahead and jot that down. Okay. Jot it. Like, you know, Jack Frost is actually, you know, got superpowers and it's a bad guy. I think, um, that's the plot of, I think that's the plot of a shitty cartoon, but we'll make it better. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's the plot of the Santa Claus 3, where Martin Short plays Jack Frost. Oh, really? Yeah, so let's let's make that... I'm actually, sort of, I'm, I'm sort of disgusted with myself now. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. Your original idea was good. It's just, uh, you know, the Santa Claus 3 is not so good. I haven't seen it, so. I Maybe loved the first one when I was a kid. Uh, the first one was fine. I saw it in the theater. I saw it in the theater, too. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I was like, that was okay, I guess. That was the first movie where, I, where it confused me, where how... Is do we live in a world? Do these people live in a world where Santa Claus is real, 
and the adults don't know that they didn't leave presents under the tree, and yet they think that Santa Claus isn't real. There's no Santa Claus, and then they don't wonder where all the presents came from, which they didn't buy because Santa brought them. I've <laughs> the actually very first often wondered that whenever it's whenever it's Santa in the movie. I think that there have been movies that have explained that away by being like, yeah, it's the magic of Santa. They parents think they got it. Like, yeah, but then, but, but then why would he do that? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Whatever though. If his sleigh only runs on Christmas spirit, you know, mm-hmm. Will Ferrell. Um, or John Favreau, then you'd think he'd want everybody to know he was real. So he's he's just sitting there. So now he like so he he ends up taking over as Santa, right? Because mm-hmm. drunk Santa's like, no, you're drunk. You know, this guy's drunk. We got to get rid of him. Um, so he's just sitting on this float, waving to people, and yeah, everybody's like, he's so amazing. Yeah. He's done such an incredible... Where did you find this amazing Santa actor? And I'm like, he's just smiling and waving. Yeah, his waving is really good, though. Did you see it? I just... Yeah, I I saw it. It was really good. And also, you know, an impressive smile that you can see through the beard. That's true. (laughs) You know, my my assumption is that he radiates Christmas spirit and warmth like actual Santa Claus would. Because, again, it's magical. So, like, they all see him and they all go... They all feel the Christmas spirit in their hearts just immediately through the magic of walls. I I really like that. That's a nice thought. That's my head cannon. That's your, that's your head cannon. I'm just picturing your head as a cannon Mm -hmm. with cannonballs spitting out of it. Um, which is really not because remember the top of it is still has still kind of soft. So it's (laughs) very apt to, to... you're always trying to keep those cannonballs in. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. So now we're going to meet John Payne for the first time and Natalie Wood. Right, and mm-hmm. I'm like, who is this guy? That's just like with this little girl. Yeah, isn't it kind of weird once you find out who he's just a neighbor, right? And isn't it kind of weird? Is that, that he's just what in he is? I still don't even understand like, it. Yeah, I was like, I, I was, he's their neighbor, and like he just wanders in. Because remember, Maureen O'Hare is still out at the working at the parade, so like the the maid or whatever lets him in and just lets him hang out with the little girl. I feel like that's not a great idea. No, it's not. I, I don't think it's a great idea even in 1946 when they were filming it. So I, I'm I agree. sort of confused by that. Um, and then, so Maureen, uh, Mrs. What's her name? Mrs. Walker or something? I, Texas I Ranger. Um, she, yeah. she, she comes home, and he's there, and she's nonplussed, mm-hmm. you know? And um, Oh, here's an adult man in my house. Okay. Yeah, hanging out with my little girl daughter, you know, like, yeah, it's not weird at all. Um, and then, nope. and then he he says to her, the best way to meet the mother is to be nice to the child. And I'm yeah. like, is that supposed yeah, to be charming? It's, it sounds devious. Yeah, it's a little, it's a, yeah, it's underhanded if nothing else. Yeah, maybe that's what the Legion of Decency objected to. But he's like obviously kind of a creeper. He seems pretty creepy, I think. And then, uh, but then, you know, so he's clearly, like, working on the girl here, the little Natalie Wood, to try to yeah. get a date with the with the mom. Because as he's <laughs> yeah. leaving, she was like, you know, can we, can we please have him for dinner, over for dinner? Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, no, I don't think so, and, or whatever. But then she <laughs> goes, did I ask all right? That actually made me laugh out yeah. loud. I was not expecting it. It's cute. Uh, 
And it does actually add like a a slightly more innocent, cute feeling to the interact to the whole him, you know, I guess manipulating the daughter because it it comes off very like innocent, as opposed to like him, or at least it does to me, as opposed to him like being in there like, hey Susie, do you happen to know if your mother needs the D? And uh, (laughs) this actually this actually comes across more like, I guess child friendly. Yeah. I'm just like imagining like you're a neighbor in the building with a single mom who whose kid mm-hmm. is in the house and you just go in and you're just like, hey, mm-hmm. like, I think uh, I think you're a lot of fun. I, I really like your mom. So let's let's try to yeah. let's try to get make that happen. I just don't think yeah. that would, I, I mean, I feel like CPS would be called, you know, I feel like so, too. Yes. Uh, maybe neighbors were more neighborly back then. My mother used to talk about um you know, the, the her neighbors in her building, everybody would just leave their doors open. Like it was like a, not everybody, but some people would leave their doors open and go back and forth. So, so maybe that was a little bit more of the, the thing back then. My mom's going to be like, I was not alive in 1947, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, I hope she listens to this and says that to you. Um, uh, she probably will. <laughs> if she did listen to it, that's, she would. So anyway, let's move on. So then we 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 continue on and they're just like still so like nuts over uh, Edmund here playing Santa yeah. Claus, and I just I'm like I, I I guess now I understand what you said he's just radiating Christmas magic which is nice, um, yeah. but I was still just like why are they so crazy about him what is he doing that's so special, um, but what I was really surprised by yeah. was that he actually shilled <laughs> for Macy's at the end of the parade. Yeah, I know. You yeah, can I was find all kinds that. of toys at Macy's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's that's like his uh, innate wanting everyone to get what they want. Like, you know, like later, how he directs the woman toward Gimbals or whatever it is, or the toy store or whatever it is. Schoenfelds or whatever it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's just, it, it's interesting. It's, I will say that this movie does a kind of a fascinating job of making him seem a believable person, you know, without making him, mm-hmm. like, supernatural. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you, you see him and don't think this is insane. You just think, oh, he's an old guy who looks a little bit like Santa. Yeah. But at the same time, you're kind of like, that's nice that he, like, has embraced this uh, delusion so well. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's always good to see. Uh, but he's not a fan of commercialism. He he says that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a little bit when he's, I think it's when he's talking to uh, the random janitor kid. Yeah. Ern, I can't remember his name. I was going to say Ernie, Albert, but I actually can't something. It's an A. Right? Alfred or Albert. Al. This is altogether too much, <laughs> too much time spent on this kid's name. Let's move on. Um, I also got why the mom was upset, by the way. So, like, when the little girl, I think it was a girl, uh, sits on his lap, and mm-hmm. you know, she's like, I want this. A fire truck, I think it was. Yeah. So it was, maybe it was a little boy. I don't know. Kid. The little kid. Who cares about the gender? Mm-hmm. Um, was sitting yeah. on Santa's lap, and uh, he's like, I want a fire truck. And And the mom is like, they don't have it here, and they don't have it at Gimbel's. So, like, please don't, basically, please don't tell them that he can have it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. yeah, that should be it's no problem. Busy. Yeah. 
And she's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's just like, what the fuck's your problem, dude? Like, I just fucking told you yeah. I can't get that toy. Um, I, I completely, I would be, like, really annoyed if that, I don't tell my kids that mm-hmm. this is real, but if I did, that, then I, and this happened, I would be pretty pissed. Although, Me too. Although, at the same time, you know, I mean, you're lying to your kids, right? So, maybe you got it coming. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this world, you're not lying to them, because Santa is real. You just don't know it. I, see, you were now, truthful I actually, without having intended in this world, I don't know that Santa is really real. They never say that he is. That's true. That's what I really anyway. liked about it, is that they never actually say he's real. It is actually kind of fun to watch, thinking that he really is just a crazy person. I, I think he actually is. I think that's the whole point. Huh. Uh, well, how do they get the house at the end? What do you mean? He directs them to it. That's true. So he went out and found it on, like, just found it? Like, well, he, the address was in the yeah. ad. So he just... Oh, yeah. You're he right. just gave him directions. So anyway, yeah, he's, yeah you're, he's just a crazy guy. You've ruined the movie for me. Thanks. Is that a ruining? I think it's nice. <laughs> anyway. No, I always I always assumed that the movie thinks he was real, but I, you, you actually make a really compelling point. I think they make it ambiguous on purpose. I mean, the only thing that they do that makes it seem like it might be supernatural is the cane sitting there. But that's like, it's a fucking cane. Like, anybody could have had a cane. It's not like the house was empty, you know? You've got to convince me. um, So, anyway, we've gone way ahead (laughs) to the very end here. So, um... So he's he's not a fan of commercialism, but he's out here telling everyone to buy shit. Yeah, he's telling them to buy shit and he's <laughs> telling them to go elsewhere for their shopping purposes. Um, because like, but it, it's all it's all him wanting the kids to get what they want, you know. Yeah, I get it, but it's you know again this this feeds into the narrative of him not actually being Santa Claus, you know, because he's not saying mm-hmm. I'll get yeah. it for you, I'll give it to you. He's just telling. Yeah. Parents are behind it. That's true. Um, so Natalie Wood is adorable. She's an adorable little kid. Uh-huh. And I usually, yeah, especially I with older movies. Cat. Yeah, right. But I usually with older movies, I always feel like the kids are kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but just like they're not usually very good actors. But she was really just fun and adorable. Mm-hmm. And, and you know her her like acting like an adult in so many ways is really cute. Yeah, very precocious. Like a like like a little adult. Yeah, it's it's very it's it's fun. Um, but she just sort of leaves her mom after when she's scolding John mm-hmm. Payne here. Um, yeah. yeah. And I was thinking this that would be terrifying to lose sight of a kid of your kid in a giant department store like that with yeah. tons of people. Even if it's the olden days. Yeah. Oh, that's right. John Payne's name is Mister Gailey. And I'm like, what is the deal with this Mr. Gailey guy? Why is he so involved in Susan's life here? Perhaps too involved, one might one might say. Way too involved. And he's like, I just want to, you know, her to like believe in Santa. And it's like, who mm-hmm. the fuck are you, dude? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just wandering in from the other apartment apparently and getting all in people's lives. Yeah. Here's how I think you should raise your kid. What the fuck? You're like, I don't know you. Not not only that, but you're like, I really want to fuck the mom. So you know what I'll do is I'll <laughs> undermine her at every chance I get. He's like using the the um like the pickup artist negging technique. Yeah, negging. You know? Yeah, exactly. 
That's what he's doing. Except he's not it's an early her, he's, he's nagging her parents. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, actually, it's probably not a bad um, strategy, given that like you're you're planting like the seed in her mind of this kid needs a father, and here's a guy. Yeah, I, I believe that he's per- pursuing a strategy at least, because um, he's a creeper. So. Mm-hmm. Then we get the really nice scene with the Dutch girl, which was way nicer knowing what she said. Yeah, that actually is. I it, it sort of made me well up. Uh, I it was just very touching, you know, knowing that that's what she's saying, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I I you know I sort of feel bad for Zach because he's gonna watch the scene and have no idea. Well, it's 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 a fun scene anyway. They yeah. start singing it, so it's cute. Yeah, and also recently. A few years ago, there was an actual, you know, department store Santa Claus who talked to the kid in sign language, and the kid didn't know he knew sign language. So that was oh, that was like really sweet. I didn't know that. Yeah, everybody I know who likes Christmas a lot like loved that clip. I think it was sign language at least. So wait, you liked that clip too, though? Yeah, it was cute. Jesus, didn't like wow, didn't make my day. You think? Sorry, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Just I'm the you know, made this man, this no. this uh, kid's day that that the Santa Claus could speak to him or her, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> good for you, kid. Yeah, I'm glad for the kid. It's a nice memory, I'm sure. Although at the same time, it's like, yeah, that's great, kid. But guess what? You're gonna find out that that's not really Santa, and it's gonna crush you. <laughs> yep. Even if you live in the world of Miracle on 34th Street, as you have now recently disabused me of, there is no. Uh, yeah, you've kind of ruined. Uh, you have ruined it. Actually, it's a, it's actually I think. I it think it makes it better. But anyway, it does. It does. Kinda. I don't know. I don't know. We'll think about it. I'll think about it. I mean, you you decide. Um, I I enjoyed when uh, Natalie Wood hears little Susie. She's like, it's a progressive school. Mm. I don't know why. I just. Like that, that she said that. Um, it, it was very precocious, you know. It was. And then now, so now we're like, you know, the guy Maureen O'Hara, Mrs. Fucking whatever Welker Walker. Apparently, she's a wide receiver in the NFL. Um, <laughs> now, now playing number eighty-seven. Maureen O'Hara's character. <laughs> Mrs. Welker. Wes's yeah. wife. Um, <laughs> so, it is Walker. It's Mrs. Walker. I was right. Okay. It was like the next you line, if I, had just, if I had just read one more line further, I would have seen it. So, um, she, she brings it, she's bringing, you know, Chris Kringle up to her office, um, and she's like, look, I need you to tell her that you're not really Santa Claus. He's like, no, I am. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, that's really nice that you want to like continue the myth, but I've, I've told her that Santa is real and I'd like you to acknowledge that. And he's like, no, but I am real. I'm here. I'm, I'm in front of you. Yeah. Um, so then she's like, well, I need to see the employment card. Cause like, what's it going to say on there? Chris Kringle, huh? And he's like, mm-hmm. it says Chris Kringle. This employment card is hilarious. Mm-hmm. How do you get employed when you're like, what's your age? Um, I'm I'm as old as the hair on my head, you know, or whatever it was that he said. <laughs> yeah. those, those would be good days to be able to get jobs that easily. 
Yeah, you're just you could change your identity and move to a new town and just work for the rest of your life. <laughs> but my name is Johan. <laughs> Johan McFuckface. <laughs> Johan McFuck, and they'd be like, "Oh, geez, that's quite the name." I like. I know. I don't know why I chose it. Um, remember, remember, I'm, remember, I'm F.J. Hobbenschlauber. <laughs> so, so now, like, you know, she's she's gonna fire him because she thinks he's nuts. Mm-hmm. But just Walking in the up. nick of time, they call her to a meeting. Uh huh. And I'm like, this meeting is happening currently. Yeah. I like why wasn't she invited to the meeting before it started? Also very striking that it was uh, just like a whole bunch of dudes and her. Yep, exactly. That's why she wasn't invited to the meeting. They didn't need any coffee. So there was no reason for her to be there. <laughs> they didn't need any coffee. They're like, oh. As old as my tongue and a little bit older than my teeth. This is data. That's part. what it was. <laughs> And what's the word from North Pole, I think, is what it says, right? North Pole, and then next next of kin is all the reindeer. That's right. And that, and something about the reindeer is, so we know it as Donner, but I guess the original writing of it was Donder, and that's what they did mm-hmm. in the movie. So I also, I also like that Rudolph isn't on it. Yeah, because Rudolph is just nonsense. Yeah, it's funny because he's the best-known reindeer, and his song starts out, Have You Heard of Him? But he's the best known reindeer. But then you learn that it's like in the it's like in our you know my grandparents' lifetime that they made him up. Right, exactly. And I'm just like, that's some bullshit. Like you can't just make stuff up, you know. Not when Santa Claus is involved, a made up human. You can't just make up things in related relation to Christmas. Come on now. Ah. Um, and then. So she, Mrs. Walker sits down here, and, uh, you know, Mr. Macy is, is talking up the new marketing plan. And mm-hmm. I don't know. What's his name? Mr. <laughs> Mr. Flabbergaster? I don't know. What was his name again? <laughs> Fisherman? Some I don't know. Fishman? Some weird name. Anyway, yeah, he, he like, shakes the shit out of Maureen's yeah. shoulder here. <laughs> He's like, uh, I don't hit women, but I will shake a bitch. Yeah, exactly. He's from the Slapaho tribe. He um, really is. Except, I guess it's a Shakeaho. Um, yeah. Maybe. So, so then we get this like little comment from Mr. S- you know Shakeaho. Um, <laughs> that he's like, maybe he's just, just a little me. crazy, like painters. Some of those men in Washington. I that was <laughs> yeah, that's cute. fun. There's another, like, silly political joke later, and it's kind of funny that they snuck him in there without it being, like, nasty exactly, just... With the, um, uh, you mean with the judge, when he says mm-hmm. he's a Republican? The DA yeah. is a Republican? Yeah. Again, um, not, like, mean or anything, just fun. Yeah. And, like, well, we, we all know politics. It, 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 if they said that in a movie now, it would be, mm-hmm. it would be much worse. Yes. Yeah. yeah, no, no kidding. It's sort of sad that that's the state of affairs we're in, but um, so but I, what I thought was hilarious too. So he's, she's like, "You're gonna have to do an exam." And he's like, "Oh, I've done tons of these." And then he, he's like, 
What's the answer to this? What's the answer to that? Blah, blah, blah. First president, George Washington. John Quincy mm-hmm. Adams' vice president was, I can't even remember, was it Daniel Webster? Yeah, it was Daniel Webster. And um, and then he's like, and then the muscle test. And so he does this thing where he's bringing his, arm, his hands back and forth to his nose. Mm-hmm. And they pan over to her, and she's just like wildly looking back and forth like – like she's on the edge of her seat to see if he's going to touch his nose every time. It's uh, it's amazing. She's never seen anybody touch her nose or touch their nose repeatedly. Oh, I thought it was funny. <laughs> she really goes back and forth. I have it playing in the background, um, trying That's... to stick around to where we are. <laughs> she really like she's watching a tennis match. <laughs> right? It's very like, like whoa. Exactly. I imagine George Steaton or whatever being like, more, more head movement, more. <laughs> we have to really know that you're looking at his arms. It's like, she's like, Jesus Christ. All right. But whatever. She's like, this feels natural. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so now we're going to get to the Macy's shrink because apparently Macy's has a shrink on staff. A um, store shrink. Apparently. I don't store know. shrink. And they do, you know, exams uh, for all of their employees. All of their employees is the funny thing. Not, they didn't just bring them on for this. Yeah. You know, like his like regular visits. If I worked for Macy's, especially like if I'm sweeping up some bullshit like that, I'm not like a higher up person. I'm not going to see their fucking shrink. No, They'd be like, no shit. Your shrink. I'd be like, no, I'm done. I really don't have to go see your shrink. Yeah. Dr. Sawyer. And then they'd fire uh, me. And that's I'd be like, weird. Yeah. I'll get a fucking a job sweeping up elsewhere. I'm pretty sure every place needs to be swept. It's very odd. Um, and we get some some real great acting by Doctor's Sawyer's assistant, by the way. Mm-hmm. So so oh, Santa yeah. comes in, right? Chris Kringle goes in, and he's just like, "Oh, you got a tick there." And then uh, mm-hmm. he's like, "You're the crazy one!" Like, whoa! <laughs> All right, you're turn a tick. The, turn the tables. Well, yeah, because he's a like he's a psychiatrist, so he's he's crazy. I was curious is that is that a common trope in early movies to to that shrinks are nuts? They're like, they're you know, I don't shrinks. know if it's a I don't know early, but it's definitely a trope I see a lot that they're the craziest ones. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that's true, but uh... maybe maybe it started here. <laughs> um, yeah. So then you know, after the interaction, which obviously went fine, um, he Chris Kringle leaves, and, uh, and then we get the assistant who's like nervously doing the same. You know the same twitches, yeah. yeah, the same ticks as Doctor Sawyer. Which I have to say, the guy acting as Doctor Sawyer, I think he did a good job with the ticks. You know, mm-hmm. I thought I thought you know it was believable that he had these things. The assistant was not good at it. <laughs> not good at all. Oh yeah, she's not even getting her eyebrow. Yeah. She's like getting, she's getting like her temple. Yeah, kind of weird. She's just like pinching that. her skin and like being weird. Yeah. Oh well. She's like, I don't, I don't have a tick, and they're like, well, pretend. And she's like, pretend. <laughs> but this is acting. I don't um, understand. And also, I, I do wonder if it was like, well, I don't want to pull the hairs out of my eyebrow. That's that's true. She's like, I paid good money for these eyebrows. Yeah. Just came, just came from the beauty salon. So now we're gonna meet Doctor Pierce. Who mm-hmm. has the craziest chin ever? Christ! I just looked up. 
that was hilarious timing, just by coincidence, because you said that, and he came on screen, like, very shortly thereafter. And I'm not sure I ever noticed his butt chin being quite so insane. But it's there it crazy! Is. It's like a universe yeah. inside there. It's like a black hole inside of his chin. Eventually, his whole face is going to get sucked in. Yeah, the middle of his chin is a singularity. I love it. It dwarfs yeah. space-time around him. I mean, it's pretty It's pretty crazy, actually. I would get that fixed if I was him. Right? This is a little bit too much. It's too much. It feels like it's got to be a prosthetic. I don't see how it could be real. <laughs> I'm like, it, it, maybe that's how he drinks. Like, that's where he puts the straw, you know? <laughs> it's a slot for yeah. straws and, and I don't know, whatever else. He's like, my mouth is pipe. for eating, my yeah. chin is for drinking. <laughs> Anyhow... Oh, they just said the Russian Prince line. I just just got that. Oh, there you go. And uh, now we've got, uh, d- you know, Dr. Sawyer ends up being just a giant fucking douchebag. I don't know really mm-hmm. why, but that's what he is. Um, and uh, we're going to head to the elevator pretty soon mm-hmm. after that, right? And that is the fastest mm-hmm. fucking elevator ever. Did you see how fast that uh, thing comes up? Pretty badass. That's crazy. Maybe it didn't have any safety features. That's what I you know, I don't know. I don't know about I don't know about the elevators, but if you go to the, the Macy's on Thirty Fourth nowadays, they still you go up and up floors, and the escalators are still wooden. It's really cool, actually. They're they're wooden, you said. Yeah. Wow, that's really like wooden and some metal and everything, and they make a really funny. They make like a like a wooden roller coaster noise as they're going. It's really fun. That does. I don't know why it's only on the upper floors. It's like I think the fourth floor or something like that. I want to go in there and just like get a bunch of people and start jumping in it as it's going up. See what people say. Great idea. <laughs> excellent, excellent work. <laughs> I used to do that when I was a teen. That surprises me. Yeah, I know that it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't at all. I wouldn't do it in like. I, I had way too much trust in uh, <laughs> in mechanics apparently because I was yeah. I would just do it in anything and it was you know. Jump up and down. Uh, I wouldn't. Was... I didn't do it in like the Empire State Building or anything like that. But yeah, well, that's good. But I remember the yeah, first time I did it. I remember the first time I did it. I like didn't even. You know, I was. I wasn't doing it to do it at the time, but I like kind of jumped up or whatever. And then the the whole mm-hmm. elevator moved. I'm like, oh shit! I can like manipulate this. This is wild. And then I just was doing mm-hmm. it. And I, and I'm like, like I don't know. A few years later, I'm like, wow! I could have just like killed everybody. So that's fun. <laughs> huh, I just realized that. <laughs> anyway, so now we're gonna apparently. Go ahead, go ahead. I was, I, no, you, I was gonna topic, so I'd rather get back on the movie. Well, so um, now we've got Mister, you know, whoever I can't remember, Fishman. Um, he <laughs> he's like they're talking about where's where's Chris Kringle gonna live, right? Because. The mm-hmm. Dr. Pierce there is like, I don't really want him to commute from Great Neck. Um, I'd rather him be commuting from Bad Neck. So the um, <laughs> so, so then I guess Mr. Fishman is going to convince his wife to let Santa Claus li- live with him for a while. And he's like, I'll sure. get my wife, you know, nice and drunk, basically. But I like uh-huh. that he's like, as soon as my wife's plas feeling gay, it's like, oh, <laughs> With two 1947 movies, and we've got a gay reference in both. I, I get the impression people used to say it a lot. I know. 
we should bring it back meaning you know i i guess uh, joyous yeah because really it is joyous i don't know if you've ever been to like pride or anything like that but it's uh, a lot of joy is quite there? gay yeah <laughs> quite gay um it's funny, you know, the next line I wrote is two straight movies where they use gay in the traditional definition. That's fun, which is funny because I wrote two straight movies. Two straight movies, yeah. <laughs> I noticed that too. Uh, I, I didn't notice it when I wrote it, but I thought it was funny when I just looked at it just now. Um, so now, you know, Santa Claus is waiting at, uh, at Mrs. Walker's house, where, of course, Mr. Gailey is because why wouldn't he be there? And... Um, mm-hmm. And now he's basically teaching little Susie how to have an imagination, which is typically how it's done. You know, the adult teaches the child how to have an imagination. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it was cute, the pretending to be a monkey. I did think it was interesting, though. He's like, no, that's not how a monkey would do it. I'm like, well, the whole point is pretending, dude, you know? Yeah. <laughs> not accurately reflecting the reality of the situation or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't I just, it's a weird that you were correcting her, in my opinion. And then we cut back to Mr. Gailey, who's, who's going to be like, being an exceptional lawyer, I want to open my own office. And I was like, wow, yeah. shortage of okay. confidence there. Yeah, not a very humble lawyer, though. Yeah. Exceptional and not humble. Um, and kind of creepy. Now, we're going to have a scene with a phone that I wrote. This scene mm. with the phone is really absurd. Oh, I know what it is. It's when uh, the wife is drunk, and he's like, she wants to talk to you. And and she's just keeps holding the phone the wrong way. And he's like, no, dear, like this. Oh, no, dear, like this. And I'm like, this is so fucking stupid. Why are we doing this? His, his wife is very gay indeed. <laughs> she's quite gay at this point. And... <laughs> She's not usually gay, but get a little liquor in her. Exactly, and then she, and then somebody will lick her. Um, so the <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> so again, what is the freaking deal with Mr. Gailey? Like, are they dating? Yeah, I don't know. Where, yeah, he's this... just it's like cooking at her apartment. It's weird. Yeah, and I like now... to imagine that like women had to put up with this sort of thing a lot, like. Here, I'll come over to your apartment tonight. That's fine, right? Goodbye. And then they're like, okay, I guess he's fucking coming over. And I can't tell him to leave because he might get mad. <laughs> I mean, that's how it should be. Of course. <laughs> All that works for you, right? Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Like. Well, so Mr. Gailey here is going to think, like, oh, I could invite Santa to stay with me. But before he does mm. that, we're going to have a bubblegum blowing contest here between uh, Santa and Susie. Or no, this isn't the bubblegum contest. She just she just is going to bed and she's got bubblegum. It pops and then it stops the music for a second. Yeah. And then it comes back. I thought that was really odd. And kind of kind of strange. And then Mr. Gailey's like, you know, just stay with me because I've got two twin beds right next to each other. I mean, yeah, you know, isn't that kind of weird? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is how I rented it. Like, okay, do you sleep on a different one each night, or yeah. did you plan on getting married Dick Van Dyke style? <laughs> I was like, why are there two twin beds? Kind of weird. <laughs> I had never thought about that. And then he asked this question, like the dying question that, that 
or the question that everybody's dying to know about Santa. Do you sleep with a beard tucked in? Do people sleep with their beards tucked in? Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. I wish I knew. Sometimes it's funny because you'll like hear about things from the past and you'll go, was that normal or was this weird? Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Exa- that's exactly like, what I was thinking. Because there are things like today that like are fucking weird and we don't do. But like people in the future might be like, that's how they did things back then. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, what's so, really funny what is uh, Calvin. So Calvin likes mm-hmm. to fall asleep cuddling. Um, and it's usually with me. And if I don't tuck my beard into my shirt, uh-huh. eventually he'll be like, Daddy, put your beard away. <laughs> so you do sleep with your beard tucked in. I don't in sleep with it because that's incredibly sense. uncomfortable. Oh, you sit with your beard tucked in. You're oh, tucking the beard. Well, no, I'm laying next to him, but then when, once he falls asleep, I usually, you know, move so that I don't have to be... You're like, ah, time to let the beard out again. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, just if, even if I fell asleep with it like that, it would just come out anyway because I'm just tucking it into the, the neck hole of the shirt, you know? Um, Perfect. But I just thought it was funny because I'm like, you know, I guess it probably does happen, but I'm like, but who tucks it in, like, because they're like... You know what would feel really good if I just press this against my neck and chest? <laughs> Maybe he's got like a really soft, luxurious beard, like he conditions it. Yeah, I wish I did that. Mine is actually pretty soft, but I, I don't condition it. Um, so so now we're going to go back to Macy's, uh, to Gimbal's, actually, because Gimbal's is mm-hmm. going to be like, we're going to, not only are we going to do this, we're going to do this in, you know, our other stores nationwide, right, in Pittsburgh and... I don't know, other places. And um, and then Macy's is like, oh, yeah, well, we'll do it in San Francisco, Atlanta, Toledo, and Newark. Yeah, because those are on the same level as the other ones. <laughs> right? That's what I was thinking. I was, okay, Toledo and Newark, got it. I guess maybe mm-hmm. they were bigger cities back then. Who knows? All right, but then the next thing we get is, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Home again, home again, jiggity jig. <laughs> Do you know what that made me think of? No, I don't. Blade Runner. That's what the toys were singing at J.F. Hobbenschlaben's place. <laughs> First of all, it's F.J. Hobbenschlaber. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> get it right, okay? If you're going to say it. I don't. Otherwise, get my name out your mouth. And... um. <laughs> Uh, I did not remember that, but that makes, I'm not sure if that makes the Blade Runner scene creepier or this one creepier in retrospect. It made, it made this one creepier for me because all I saw were those creepy toys going home again, home again, jiggity jig. And then they like run into I the I did not even together. put that together somehow. I'm like thrilled actually though <laughs> that that happened. That actually, cause that like, I don't know. I don't know. I thought that was made up for Blade Runner or some shit. So. I did too. Like, That's why I was like, "What? This is a thing." <laughs> Can't believe I didn't. I was just not paying attention to what he was singing because I don't care. <laughs> home again, home again, jiggity jig. Wow. Now we're we're gonna go back. This is where we get to the bubblegum blowing contest between Susie and Santa Claus, and I'm just like. Mm-hmm. I the, the whole time I'm just like because he's like, "Wow, that's an amazing thing you're doing. Let me try it," and I'm like. You know mm-hmm. you got a giant beard, right? I was like, I would never do it. that. You know, like I would never want to blow a big bubble. 
with this beard. He keeps it tucked in so much he forgets. Ah, I see. <laughs> it's like what he does with his dick. Um, so... <laughs> well, how'd you get gum all over that? He's <laughs> like, I was blowing it. Oh, boy. I was thinking that he tucks it and forgets that it's there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so... Anyway, my background movie has moved on, so so shall we. Uh, oh, okay. So... Okay, so uh, I feel like I gotta hurry. <laughs> We're at lunch with uh, the janitor kid, who I swear to God looks like he's eleven to me. So I don't know how he's a janitor. I know, I know. And then, <laughs> and then I, I, but I like knew I was like, oh, this is where Chris is gonna get in trouble, because um, Doctor mm-hmm. Sawyer is a giant dick. But I mean, mm-hmm. hitting him someone over the head with a cane—that's assault. That's just assault. That's pretty serious. Yeah, that's not just like. What's like actual, you're not allowed to hit people with wooden implements, you know? Yeah, with a weapon. I mean, that's just like, mm-hmm. like the idea that we're supposed to be on his side after he does that. I'm just like, but no, you shouldn't do it. I, yes, Sawyer here is a dick, for sure. Uh-huh. But this isn't an action movie, you know, where like you're a cop. <laughs> I uh, I rated fight and chase scenes in Miracle yeah. on 34th Street a, a one because it had the one. Now, that was now, it. But soon after this, after this all happens, right? He like he like stays down, and like he goes back down, right? Sawyer does. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'm actually unconscious. Um, and and then um, they're gonna commit him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he gives up kind of. He has the Chris Kringle gives this speech earlier where he's like, "I don't give up that easily." And then I'm like, "Well, you just kind of give up pretty quick here by." <laughs> you know, like I don't give up that easily. Oh wait, yes I do. Yeah, I definitely do. And then we get the world's craziest newspaper headline: Chris Kringle crazy, all in K's. Court case coming, all in K's. Calamity with a capital K. Cry with a capital K. Kitties. <laughs> um, someone had fun with that. Yeah. This is like the most newspapery headline I've ever seen. Yeah, someone uh, someone was going, "Oh, I got it! I got just the thing." <laughs> I've been waiting for all these K's. My day has finally come with a K. <laughs> so now we've got a DA, right? Who's going to prosecute mm-hmm. this? I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And and the the kids won't talk, won't hug him, and the wife is mad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, this is. Ridiculous. <laughs> like, well, you know, come on, you can't prosecute Santa Claus. Yeah. Or maybe you. I'm I trying guess to find was, that newspaper headline, but I can't find it. I mean, I guess it was, um, you know, because you know, Mr. Gailey is like, oh, good idea, Doctor Sawyer, who basically, by the way, is he a doctor? Because Chris Kringle makes it sound like he's not actually a doctor. Yeah, I don't know. He might just be a psychologist. Yeah. Well, psychologists can have doctorate degrees too, but I just, I don't know. Maybe this guy's just a rando off the. And just like. um, Kringle made it sound like that he was just like a hack. Well, Kringle knows something about being a rando off the street and getting a job with a fault with falsified information on your employment card. So this guy did the same thing. Hey, that wasn't falsified. He's from the North Pole and his next of kin are reindeer. That makes perfect sense to Mm -hmm. me. 
are you related to the reindeer exactly, Mr. Kringle? That's my question. Yeah. Are they your children? Because this raises this raises further questions that I could just get more and more into. So yeah, the judge is he's getting shitted. He's getting frozen out at home. At, at his grandkids, him, his wife hates him. Gailey is taken on the case. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was the judge. It wasn't the DA. Mm-hmm. It was the judge. I said that wrong. Um, the DA, his kids, and later. Right. Exactly. They they utilize uh, like. Well, we'll get to that. Um, how tall is Edmund, by the way? Because it seems like Apparently everybody's kind of tower. No, I don't think so. It seems like everybody's towering over him. Apparently, kind of tall, which is the opposite of tall. He's kind of a small man. Yeah, I mean, it's... which actually adds to his normal factor. You know? I was thinking that too. It seems it, it almost makes him seem more sweet that he's small, short. I should say, not small. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, they put they put Chris Kringle to the stand. The DA asks him one question, and then his lawyer, Mr. Gailey, is like, "Nah, I got no questions." I'm like, "What? I got to question him at all?" So he's uh, using a revolutionary new uh, new uh, 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 lawyer tactic, which is not giving a shit. <laughs> I use it all the time. Right, makes so, you seem cavalier. The, you know, the the jury likes your devil may care attitude. There isn't a jury though. Um, oh, that's true. That's what's <laughs> rookie mistake using the devil may care attitude without a without a jury. Well, so now he's gonna head home, which apparently is basically you know Mrs. Walker's home now, and they're gonna call each other yeah. darling here. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Apparently they're just married. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He, they're together by virtue of his refusing to stop coming around. Right. <laughs> he just goes to her house every night and it's like, well, I guess we're together now. I, I can't get rid of you, so. Oh, he quit his job. Mm-hmm. I'm like... Yeah, to take on the... whatever. Yeah, to take on this, I'm like, you quit your job? That seems... Just- um. Just as you're getting married and adopting a kid, apparently? Yeah, exactly. He's like, I think that we should be together. Also, I'm unemployed. <laughs> She's like, oh, great. And you know why I'm unemployed? It's because yeah. I want to uh, prove that Santa Claus is real. So, marry me. Yeah. And she's like, okay. <laughs> this is good. So... Then the DA says he's prosecuting him at, at one point. I'm like, you're prosecuting him? What the, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they make a big show of it being like, this is just a hearing. And I'm like, I don't really understand what's happening right now. Lee. <laughs> they're, they're prosecuting him, but it's just a hearing. Is this binding in any way? I don't understand. Yeah. And if it's binding, to whom is it binding? Like, what does it bind? Yeah. Besides your bowels. Um, so yeah. it's interesting the way this movie cuts around and gives so many characters lines. There's like a lot of ancillary characters in this. There's little random things going on, especially here. Like we got the judge and his family, like his kids have lines, I think. I mean, his grandkids have lines. Right. And then, you know, they, they like show the post office randomly, you know, and mm-hmm. Uh, what was this this clever little newspaper clipping? I can't remember what it said. And then, you know, this is where we're going to find out the DA is a Republican because apparently 
you know, the judge has uh, has his like political advisor with him at all times. Oh yeah. Apparently, <laughs> his real political advisor has no other clients. He just hangs out in his courtroom. He's like, I'm going to advise you on how to on how to rule in these cases. And it's like, do judges really get reelected so much that <laughs> like that you need to be here at all times? I don't know. Maybe he like specializes in one client each each election cycle. Right. I don't know. It was odd, but you know what? I, the other thing that I love that they do in movies um, that's just not accurate at all with the legal system <laughs> yeah. is they always have the other lawyer being surprised by a witness. It's like that's not how it works. Like you're not allowed. Yeah, it's like specifically disallowed to be doing these things. Yeah, you're supposed to provide a list of witnesses to the other lawyer. You mm-hmm. can't just be like, I'm going to call this person from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna call the yeah. other lawyer's kid to the st- like what? No, you can't do that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's allowed. It reminds me of uh, an episode of The Simpsons where Lionel has to stall, so he he's, he says, "Your Honor, I'd like to recall all of my surprise witnesses," and like the most absurd group of people, including like giant guys on tricycles for some reason, like circus performers and shit, just pile into the courtroom. <laughs> well. It's funnier um, to look at, so you should just look up that clip. I will, I will. It sounds fun. Um, but soon after this, we get the most overdramatic overruled in history. Yes. I love I love the complaints that you have about movies sometimes. <laughs> like, this, this will stick in your craw, and I didn't even notice. And you're like thinking about it days later. That was a really dramatic overruled. Did you, did you see it? Did you, are you watching it right now? Yeah, I get it was kind of overdramatic. I don't know how kind of. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was the most ridiculous overruled I've ever. I mean, it was it was okay. It was like a cartoon. Yeah, it was a cartoon character. He's like Scooby Doo or something. Yeah, overruled. <laughs> exactly. We're both did Damn. Scooby at the same time. <laughs> Judge Scooby, Judge Do, I guess is his name. <laughs> oh, Ro. Um. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my goodness with the political advisor here, who's like, you know, just this, the judges just con- – I, I feel like they overdid this a bit. Like every decision, everything he does, he looks over and I'm like, yes, no, oh, yes, okay, okay. <laughs> Talk about having, the, like, you know, this judge in your pocket, you know? Yeah, really. And he's not even, like, paying for it. He's just like mm-hmm. – I'm telling you the way to get reelected because apparently that matters more. Mm-hmm. And then um, Maureen here is going to run into Alfred and Alfred's like, you know, going to be talking to her about the, the case or whatever. And she goes, there's a way, Alfred, there's got to be. <laughs> Just classic 40s acting. Yeah, you uh, I'm not sure you're into some of the theatrical nature of some of these performances. I like well, it. I like it okay. I, I just think it's fun to make fun of because it's very. Oh, yeah, that's also true. That's also true. <laughs> See, in my head, I'm over here going, "This is just how they acted," but you know, it, it is. It's like sort of the part of the charm, you know. If yeah. they had like too realistic a performance, like today, like method acting, it would it would come off as really weird. So, it would be interesting. I'd like to see that universe too. Um, <clears throat> Because I would say that Edmund Gwen here probably was uh, more method acting. Yeah, evidently. So. Since he actually convinced himself he's Santa Claus or some shit. And then, so, 
so Susie is going to write a letter to Santa, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is what ends up, you know, cascading into the the whole how how it all ends, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what I was confused by here is why they had her misspell believe. It's the only word she misspelled. She misspelled it both times, and she's it was B E L I E E V E. Just that's true. There are two e's. That is, it's it's strange to add quite so many e's to that word. I could like, you would be understandable if she mixed up the i and the e. The i and the e, right? Or she left out the i and put two e's. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's strange. Maybe like they got maybe the whoever they got to do the kid handwriting didn't want to redo it. They made a mistake, and then they were like, "This was actually a pain in the ass to sit here and do to make like look make it look convincingly childish, but also readable." That's my guess. Although I don't think we need guesses on this exactly. No, it's so. fine. Who cares, right? I mean, it's just I thought it was a weird choice. And then we get some amazing Doris penmanship here. Who Doris, by the way, is Mrs. Walker. Um, okay. We just sort that. of found that out in this scene. <laughs> well, she's a very She's a very last name kind of person, you know? Mrs. Yeah, Walker. But she's divorced. Mm-hmm. So she's True. just Mrs. Walker? <laughs> Evidently, she just abandoned her family wouldn't take her back. They were like, you are not taking our name back. <clears throat> well, it, it actually reminds me, uh, there's this bit in the office where Kathy Bates is in it, and she's like, uh, I go by Mrs. I can't remember, whatever her last name was, her character's last name was. She's like, I I kept the last name because I know it pisses him off. <laughs> <laughs> that must be what it is. <laughs> I just, I like that little bit of thing there. So now we're going to go to the post office because, of course, you know, we have a scene at the post office next. Yeah. Um, and they're getting, and, and you know, they're going to be like, oh, look, this one's going to the courthouse. And he's like, oh, yeah, you see, look, read this newspaper, see, and you see that it's <laughs> over there. And, um, that actually wasn't that bad. I just thought it was his, he was doing an accent and thought it was fun. So he, he certainly is. I'm listening to him right now. <laughs> yeah, I've seen every Shady Claus letter there is. Like, okay. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so then they're the like, guy just hey, let's the guy send... Just <laughs> it's also kind of funny that they're using this device here to be like, oh, we'll send all the letters to this, to this courthouse. But in reality, mm-hmm. in real life, I mean... I assume they still do this, but there they there's like a a town in Indiana that they send all of the Santa Claus letters to. Oh yeah, yeah. That's cute. Um, so now we're gonna talk about how wonderful the post office is and how efficient, which is just hilarious to me. Yeah, it's uh, funny in today's today's uh, political environment. Remember the the whole freaking there was like. A kerfuffle over the goddamn post office back when Buckface was in the president in the White House, and it's like Jesus Christ, you're like appointing people who are trying to destroy, like what the post office. Like I don't want to think about the post office. Louis Good or bad. Yeah, I know who yeah. the postmaster yeah. general is. Like what? Yeah, this is not right. I want to think about the post office when I go there to mail something. Yeah, and then I want to never think about it again. The only time I want to think about the post office when I go there to mail, mail something, and also when I want to buy stamps. Oh, yeah, like, exactly. What kind of stamps do you have? Those are fun. I'll get those. I like to get the most fruit. Actually, you know what? I got a lot of Christmas stamps one year, just by complete coincidence. Like, 
I don't know. I needed Did you a stamp. Get the Kwanzaa ones? No, it was just Christmas. It's just oh, a Santa, okay. like a painting of Santa on it. But um, I'll use them. I'll, I think, think I still have them. But I use them year round, and it annoys my spouse a lot. They're like, those are Christmas stamps. I'm like, they're fucking stamps. They're <laughs> you need to mail a letter. Yeah. What are you gonna? Yeah. I, I, so then people are getting people are getting Santa Claus stamps in like you know May, from me. I actually think that's kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Do anybody actually look at the stamp? I some people I do, do, but it's pretty rare. I do sometimes because my psychi- my psychiatrist's office of all things, they send me bills sometimes that like they they hand wrote letters and stamped them themselves, and sometimes the stamps are weird. And I'm like, oh, this is just the stamp they had, I guess, um, just on hand. But uh, they have a lot of birds, which I guess is just innocuous enough. But um, you know what I used to do, speaking of Christmas out of season? I used to sing Christmas carols at work, like, really over the summer. So when it wasn't Christmas at all, it really annoys people, like, a lot. Like, they hate it. You know, so of course I, I would that do too. It. I cannot believe you do that, because that is something that I do. Oh yeah? yeah. Well, we we we're cut from the same dickish cloth. But I don't do it to be a dick. It's because I like Christmas music, and I'll it'll just come into my head, and I'll start singing it. And they'll be I like, "It's not hate fucking Christmas." Christmas. Yeah, but yeah, it really makes them mad, and I do it to point out I feel that way at Christmas too. So I'm just trying to make you feel what I feel. Well, I actually like Christmas music. I think it's fun. I hate I hate Christmas music. I'm gonna throw it out the window. You know, you know why I like Christmas music because I feel like most, it's one of the few uh, pieces of music, I guess, <laughs> few works of music. I don't know what you would say here, um, but that that is just always uplifting. There's there's no like uh, sadness involved in it, and I know that not all music is sad, but I would say the majority of good music has some tinge of sadness to it. You know. Yeah, you're probably right. Except for just religious music in general. Right. Which, but see, I don't know. I don't need to be pushed religion. Being pushed Christmas is, is sort of innocuous to me because, like, you know, I don't. Who gives a shit? We all celebrate Christmas. I, I don't. I think yeah, it's well, kind Chris, of not really. It's pretty secular at this point. It's pretty secular. You're right. Like even I'm out here technically celebrating Christmas. Um, it doesn't uplift me though. It down puts me down. I don't know how to say it, but it does the opposite. <laughs> But why? It's annoying. It's annoying, and I don't want to hear it every year. And also, like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I get it. <laughs> I know, I really think you there. So anyway, let's get back to the post office here, because all the postal men are bringing in... Yeah, all the... Sacks and sacks and sacks of letters. Where do you and get those sacks? This like, was actually... Sacks, I thought like, it was... Yeah, I know. Where do you get those sacks? Probably on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, I need a sack. They're like, Sacks no, Fifth Avenue. Fine. They're like, we, we actually stock them just to fucking, uh, you know, keep people like you happy. So yeah. Just so you can have your dad joke, you fucking tool. Yeah. And then you have to pay for it. <laughs> and they're like, $300, please. And you're like, oh, this is not worth the joke. No, it isn't. So anyway, the post office delivers it, which proves that Greg, Chris Kringle is Chris Kringle. I actually think it was kind of clever. It is clever, actually. It's a fun end of it, yeah. because, like, not going to go against the government. But, like, I don't think they'd be allowed to dump all the letters on the judge's thing. No, I mean, that was... Podium or whatever. That's dramatic. He'd be like, right? you're not... Stop that. That's what he would be like. 
Yeah, he would just, it would be one, and he would be like, how many, you know, he would just be like, okay, I get it, I get it, there's a lot of letters. Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I assume that those are all, in fact, Santa Claus letters and not like, you know, you know, letters to Playboy or something. So, Dr. Pierce is a very nice man. I enjoyed Dr. Pierce's character quite a bit. And uh, Santa here is going to invite everybody to his Christmas party at his crazy house. And, um, yes. which I, no, it's an old folks home. I shouldn't call it a crazy house. Um, it's kind of a crazy house. <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, Susie here is going to get upset because he didn't buy a house for her. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's a kid. Yeah. And, um, She's like, you didn't take out a second mortgage for me. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, um, he's going to tell them, like, okay, this is how you're going to uh, – there's a shortcut to get to your place. So just go this way and go yeah. over here. And then, of course, Susie's going to see the house. Stop! We're gonna go to the house. And I thought it was actually a very touching scene with Natalie Wood in the house. Mm-hmm. That was nice. It's nice. This um, is – it, like – I hate people moving to the suburbs because it, it creates, you know, suburbs hell, United States infrastructure, but that's okay. It's 1947. They don't know that yet. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And I don't know what else to say about it this year. Um, it would have been funny if they had just not taken that way home and been like, we don't fucking need a shortcut from this guy. Well, let's go the normal way. And then this never happens. That's what I, I actually thought that when I was, I was like, you know, what if they just disregarded the, this guy's direction? Yeah. You know? Like, and Chris and goes like, over there like, and I left, my, I left my cane in that random house for nothing. <laughs> but did he, did he leave his cane there? I don't know if that's his cane. Um, so I also think it's funny because it's like, here, here are these directions. And it's like, do you own a car? <laughs> don't you take the train every time you go into the city? He, t- he takes his sleigh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was funny too because she was she invited. I forgot to say this. She invites him over um, mm-hmm. for Christmas Eve, and he's like, "Oh, I can't tonight. It's Christmas Eve." Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, <laughs> she's right, like, of course." Yeah, I guess you're still playing that. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's kind of weird. These two they they they've been dating for like five seconds, mostly through his refusal to leave. Right and now, they're gonna buy. A house they're gonna together. buy a house together. Yeah, and he just quit his job, apparently. Although he got that big publicity from the case, I guess, maybe. Yeah. And then and now so now she's going to be like, I always believed in you. It was just my silly common sense. I'm like, that's a really goofy line. It's also not a great message. Yeah, no kidding. Just abandon. Women, abandon your common <laughs> sense. And, and let men bully you into dating them. Yeah, exactly. I know, end, you, I know what you're thinking. It's book, strange right? that this man keeps coming into my house and playing with my daughter without my permission. <laughs> but it's not. But, yeah, it's not. My common sense I should ignore. This message brought to you by Nambla. <laughs> no, it's brought to you by the uh, Legion of Decency. Legion of Decency, <laughs> otherwise known as Nambla. You know, if it's a good thing Hudson isn't here. They would be very mad about my mentioning Nambla. <laughs> so maybe we should cut that. In general, that's something that they don't enjoy. And I mean, I, I bring it up as a joke sometimes. And they're like, I didn't think about them for a long time, and now you brought them back into my life, and I'm mad. What's Nambla? I don't even know what it is. 
the North American Man Boy Love Association. Oh, that's right. <laughs> they were uh, made fun of on South made, Park. South like, Park, yeah. <laughs> and then um, I, the reason I think it's a fun joke is because on the Daily Show with John Stewart, uh-huh. every time they not every time but many times that he read out an acronym, he would say or NAMBLA. <laughs> Like the the Drug Enforcement Administration or NAMBLA, and like it was it was a very funny repeat joke, and I'll say it, and then Hudson's like, "Stop it!" This is a joke. But anyway, <laughs> so that's the movie, though, right? Because the the end popped up on the screen, so I'm done. Yep, that's the whole movie. <laughs> I refuse to watch any discuss any more overview. We're moving on to the rank. All right, I'm taking on I'm, I'm taking over this podcast. <laughs> I would love I'm to. Know. Know. Like, I'm now in charge. <laughs> I would love for you to be in the host position, actually. Oh, God, it would be so fucking discombobulated. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, so uh, we're moving. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> the summary? No, we already did the summary. This is the overview. The movie overview. <laughs> it would be a big fucking mess. We'll do it one day for like a, a particularly silly movie or something. And all. Let's do it for Barbie. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> Just, uh, I don't know, everything's weird day. <laughs> So anyway, moving on to the rank. Yes. Oh, wait. The rank is where we rank the movie based on ten categories. Story, acting, originality, film coherence, cinematography, score slash soundtrack, script structure and dialogue, character relatability, production value, and timelessness. We're ranking it on a scale of one to ten, one being the worst, ten being the best, First category is story, and I'll start. I gave story a nine. Oh, yeah. I think the story is pretty clever. I, I like that they gave it ambiguity instead of just using movie magic to say, see, there really is a Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. I think I always just assumed this movie did that, actually, and it was kind of nice that it didn't. So yeah. it was unexpected. So uh, what say you? What do you got for story? I gave it a nine. Hey, um, all right. It's kind of like... It's like easy to overlook in a way because it's so ubiquitous, but it is a really original story when you think about it, and it's a lot of fun, you know? Like, if someone came up with that and told me, I'd be like, you need to make that into something because that's fun. Yeah. So it, and, and I think the execution is really good, too, so it really works. I agree. I'm, that's funny. I did not expect us to agree on that one, so I think, well, let's see how the rest of this goes. So the next category is acting. What do you have for that? Well, this is going to be funny, actually, because, like, I, I kind of talked like I don't like the movie, but I do. So, yeah, you really did. I assumed you didn't like it. So that's... No, it's going to come off funny. Well, the acting I gave an eight because I wasn't 100% sure what to do. The Maureen O'Hara and, as you said, shockingly, Natalie Wood were really good. And um, not shockingly because I expected her to be bad because she's a kid. And um, Edmund White, whatever fucking said his name was, um, he was good, but, like, he's also just kind of playing Santa, which is He's kind of, of... It's, very, it's like one-dimensional. I'm yeah, kind. Yep. Also, I really can be more game. Yeah, sometimes I smack people. Everybody else was kind of silly, though. So, like... And you were absolutely right, a lot of overacting. It feels even given the time, because, like, Maureen O'Hara and John Payne, to a certain extent, were as much like that. They were more nuanced. Everybody else was kind of cartoonish. Right, so. I agree. But still, still good enough that I'm saying eight. Well, I gave it a six point seven five. Oh, so less so. Yeah, and so it's hard because I feel like, you know, we decided to do one through ten, 
because mm-hmm. it would give us more options. And yet we're we're so like afraid to go near to go six. low. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the acting in this is just not great. I so so some highlights here. Doctor Sawyer was a reprehensible character, but I actually found him to be well acted. Okay. Um, Natalie was surprisingly good, and Edmund Edmund was pretty great as Santa. Um, the judge was awful. I thought. Um, it seemed to me that while the leads weren't terrible, they weren't very good either. You know, I don't think they were mm-hmm. bad, but like, I just, you know, they were made like slightly above average. Right. Um, and I just, there was a lot of hamminess and overacting throughout. I, I actually started with a lower score and brought it up some because in think when I was just like thinking about it, I discovered I liked the acting more than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still can't put it in the pantheon of movies with fantastic acting. So you're absolutely right. I'm actually thinking to go lower, but for right now I'm going to leave it as an eight because I need to. I need to mull. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to the next category. You can mull while I'm talking about originality. <laughs> okay. So I gave originality a nine and a half. I actually mm-hmm. think this concept was really original. Uh, mm-hmm. I really loved the way they dealt with the question of Santa Claus's existence with cleverness. You know, mm-hmm. they never actually show him being Santa. Just that mm-hmm. he's a nice man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dr. Pierce is the character that gives us the best look at the truth, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but either way, though, I think this is creative and unique in its story. So, nine and a half. What do you have for it? I gave it a nine as well. Uh, uh, by as well, I mean along with my nine first story. I was going to say, um, I was like, uh, I said, yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> are you listening? Or, but uh, I, I match my own. Well, in the first category is what is anyway, but uh, no, uh, exact exact same stuff. It, it was very original and fun, and um, yeah, that's all. I don't feel like talking about it more. <laughs> all right, um, all right. So then let's go to uh, film coherence. So what do you have for that? I gave film coherence an eight and a half. I wasn't sure what to give it. It seemed perfectly coherent to me. So. I mean, except for, like, there were some scenes where I was like, what's going on here? But that was, like, a lot more, I think things used to be weirder than they are. And I'm just not used to how people used to do things. But nothing didn't fit. Maybe some things were, like, a little too silly out of left field, like the wife with the phone. But, um... Yeah. (laughs) That was very bizarre. But it is a family movie, so, like... They were probably trying to inject a lot of silliness for the kids or something who go see it and are bored during the talking parts. Yeah. That's kind of how I took it, too. Um, well, I gave eight, eight and a quarter. Okay. I can't say that there's anything incoherent about it, you know, but I will mm-hmm. say that I think they could have been a bit more ambiguous in the storytelling. Yeah. Um, did we really need a scene at the post office? Yeah, that's true. I don't think it detracts or anything. It's just I'm not sure it was necessary. I'm not sure that they, would, that, that they needed to have Dr. Sawyer not actually be a doctor. You know? Yeah. Like, they made some interesting choices, and I felt like they tended to steer toward obvious instead of subtle. That's um, true. And I also really never understood how Gailey was in their lives at all <laughs> and what the nature of their relationship was. The movie starts, and he's in their house or their apartment. Right. It's like, okay. Without the mom. Like, yeah. All in all, though, it was it was a cohesive experience. So okay. Um, speaking of which, by the way, I'm going to bring my uh, acting down to a seven. Okay. That's still lower than an eight, but fair because I thought the leads were good. You're kind of you're kind of right though. You were talking, and a lot of the supporting actors were like pretty hammy. Yeah. Even, even a lot of not just in her. not just a few. A lot of them were. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so the next category is cinematography, which is going to be hard for all these older movies. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a seven. Okay. Um, I don't think they were doing anything special or trying to. Mm-hmm. I like that they filmed on location instead of on a set, though. I thought that mm-hmm. was a, you know, a good choice. I thought it was a nice touch. Um, so I guess for that reason, I'll give it a seven. So. I don't know. Maybe I'll go lower, depending on what you say. What do you, what do you have for it? I gave it a six and a half. Um, I think I'm going to change mine to a six and a half. Okay. <laughs> I have more sway than I realized. Um, I have to be careful with that. You don't even have to tell me what it was. No, nope, I don't. <laughs> well, no, it was just not, it wasn't um, nothing great, but uh, perfectly <laughs> adequate is what I mean. But um, kind of distracting at times, some of the scene changes and everything. Mm, yeah, I can see that. But that's okay. Nothing horrible. Like, like you know, I, like we're always saying, six and a half is fine. You know? It I, really is, yeah. I wasn't mad while I was watching it. Damn this cinematography. It's not like it's bad cinematography. That's why I have yeah. such a hard time. Like, I'm not looking at it going, boy, this is fucking awful. But it's like, exactly, exactly. you know, it's not great either. True. Well, anyway, the next category is score slash soundtrack. What do you have for that? Give that a five. Um, I thought, I just said, I was like, Five is in the middle, right? Yeah. Well, actually, it's one to ten, so five isn't in the middle. But um, I'll give it a five anyway because <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was really overdone with its use of Christmas music out of nowhere suddenly. Like it'd be a normal score, and then it'd just suddenly be Jingle Bells, and it would be like, come on, like I get it, but come on. So like I'm not mad, but I could have done without a score altogether, and I think it would have been fine. Yeah. I gave it a six, so I was pretty much in agreement with you. It was okay. They basically yeah. did a few Christmas tunes and some hopeful instrumentals, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't think that they really used the music all that well. That is to say that if it wasn't terrible, but just definitely not very good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially coming off of The Bishop's Wife, which I think did really well with the score. So. I I agree, which is not even to say that necessarily it's better. Well, it is better, this, that, that particular That part. category is better, yeah. Yeah, um, the bishop's wife handled some of the emotional stuff a lot, a lot more deftly. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, this was like kind of over the top in some ways emotionally because it's trying to be so uplifting. Mm-hmm. Whereas the bishop's wife is more like acknowledging, you know, some negative emotions and so forth and sadness. Maybe this, this was like no sadness, only happy, which is fine. <laughs> which is yeah, it's fine. You know, it's a family movie. It's a different movie, so yeah. Um, all right, so the next category is script, structure, and dialogue, and I gave that a... Did I say that I gave score slash soundtrack a six? I think I did. You, you did, yeah. Okay. I gave uh, score, script, structure, and dialogue a 7.25. Mm-hmm. I think the dialogue was fine. Um, I think the structure needed a little work and that it was very focused on trying to get everything in instead of focusing on buttoning up the story, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the courtroom dialogue left a little to be desired. I don't know... <laughs> this just... It doesn't seem like an Oscar movie to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't want to, like, I, it doesn't mean I don't think it's a good movie or anything. It's just, it's fun, it's cute, but up for best picture, I just, I don't know. It's I, It was very focused on being silly and fun, which isn't bad at all, but it just, it it doesn't stretch believability. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. And In fact, I gave mine a, a 6.75, so I'm pretty close to you. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. Just a little clunky in places, and the dialogue was fine. So, yeah. Like if like if this if if I was in charge of these things and this crossed my desk, I'd be like, this is fine. 
let's get it let's get it made and make some money. Right, exactly. Exactly. This will be uplifting and fun and nice for kids. Yeah, and I'm not gonna like we don't need to punch it up, but I'm not also not gonna rave about this necessarily. So Yeah, but people did rave about it. So whatever. They were dumb back then, not as smart as us. <laughs> All right. Well, the next category. On that great note, the next category is uh, character relatability. What should, what did you do for that one? I, I gave that an eight. I wasn't sure. I thought the characters were relatable, but also like very like over, like archetypical in a lot of ways. Like he's Santa, you know. And like, but I did you know somewhat relate to a lot of the positions that they had. Like you should have more more whimsy in your life, but also I also agree with but you should be a realist in some ways. You should be a kid, but I also agree with, yes, but you have to learn some hard truths about the world at times. And I also agreed with, people think I'm fat and I should lose weight. <laughs> so I really empathize with them. But uh, yeah, so I liked it. I thought everyone was well done in like a broad way. They were supposed Broadway. <laughs> no, this is 34th Street. Um, <laughs> and Broadway, it intersects right there. But uh they, everybody was broad but purposefully because they weren't going for, like, deep nuance or anything like that. Right. So I actually gave character relatability an 8 also. Oh, okay. I was sitting there explaining it because I was worried you were going to give it way lower. <laughs> you thought I was going to give it lower? That's interesting. Um, I think the characters are relatable for the most part. I don't really understand Sawyer's motivation that well. I guess mm-hmm. he didn't like to have his foibles pointed out by someone he considered crazy, I, I guess, yeah. was the motivation. So it's there. Um, I think it could empathize with everyone, but at times it seemed very far-fetched, which made yeah. it hard to relate. Um, I but, you know, I mean, eight's a good score, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, I should say so. <laughs> um, all right, so the next category is production value, and I gave that a 7.75. Okay. I liked that they were on location. This is a clever way to have good set pieces, as you can use the already existing dis- you know, displays in these department stores, right? I think that was clever, and I think it shows an ingenuity in production value. But other than that, I don't know that there was really all that much extra production production value. So there you go. What do you what did you give it? Well, I actually gave it an eight point two five because I actually really appreciated that they filmed so much on location, and watching not necessarily so much this last time I watched it, but while I was watching it while we were talking about it. After you mentioned because you said that they you know they had trouble filming at Macy's, but they still did. Um, I was looking at it and I was like, I actually hadn't entirely appreciated quite how decent everything looks because they're on location. They're really out there on the street, et cetera. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, that is cool. I'm okay. I think I'm, I'm still happy with what I gave it. It's pretty close to what you gave it. So works for me. All right. So now the next, the, the, the last category, this is the big one in my opinion, Mm -hmm. timelessness. What do you have for that? I think I'm going to surprise you. Actually, I gave timelessness a 10. I think it's obviously proven itself to be extremely timeless, and I'm not yeah. even going to go any further than that. Like, people still love this movie, and it's years later. So, yeah, you know, I gave it a nine and a half, but I'm going to change it to a ten. Okay. Because I don't know how much more time. Like, how is it? Yeah. How do you have a more perfect score than this? You know? Exactly. Um, there are there are other movies that are as timeless, but it, you kind of don't get more so. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just I haven't given a ten in timelessness. There. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious for this one to be high in the timelessness ranking as it's mm-hmm. a Christmas classic. So um, people still watch to this day, as you were, as you pointed out, and I think it's preferred to the remake from the 90s, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
So having seen it for the first time, I will say I can see why it's considered a Christmas classic. Yeah. It if if I didn't hate watching movies every year, oh my god, like Clockwork, I would appreciate seeing this come on and, and so forth because it's a it's a nice little fun time. It really is. So yeah, that's the whole rank. Um, I'm I'm guessing you're interested to hear how it fared. I would love to know. Well, it got a 157. Mm-hmm. So it didn't beat the Bishop's Wife. Bishop's Wife is still number one for 1947. Mm-hmm. Um, it did beat Million Dollar Baby in the Aviator, though. Okay. <laughs> you know that all sounds about right to me. Yeah, it's did, just I, below Ray. Yeah. Oh, Which, just below. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I I, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I can yeah. Deal with that. I think this is probably a little bit better than Ray, but um, I'm fine. And, and I also think the Bishop's Wife is decent. Uh, not quite a bit better, but better. So I'm okay with this. I think Bishop's Wife is a, is a better film. Yeah. Um, but I think Miracle on 34th Street is more fun. Yeah. It's, it's, you can see why one is like a Christmas classic and one is a Christmas movie that some people watch. Right. Exactly. It is not necessarily every damn time. Well, yeah. So that's it. That's the whole thing. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. If you'd like to see an updated list of our rankings, you can see that on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com. Check us out next week when we're ranking Aquaman, the 2018 DC movie starring Jason Momoa and Amber Heard and directed by James Wan. Another Christmas movie, huh? <laughs> no. Uh, um, if, if the action movie series isn't your thing, though, join us in two weeks for the next movie in our Best Picture series, which is going to be Crossfire, the 1947 Best Picture nominee starring Robert Young, Robert Mitchum, and Robert Ryan. And I thought you were going to say something about Robert there. but No, I, I didn't know we were doing this movie. <laughs> so, so that's the next one. Yes, yeah, I just didn't know it existed. So <laughs> I, there we are. It's, it's a lot of Roberts. Is it like all the Roberts are fighting over who gets to be Robert? Yeah, that's exactly that's the, the whole story. That's what's Crossfire, yeah. That's what I thought. I, I, this is brand new information to me, so I'm going into this one fresh. Do you remember the scene in The Mask um, where Dorian Tyrell is wearing the mask and he, like, chews up all the bullets and starts spitting them all out like he's a gun? Do you remember that part? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's I'm what good. this is. That's, that's a play on Crossfire. The whole thing is just yeah, that? Yeah, they're spitting bullets at each other. I love it. To see who becomes the real Robert. Mm-hmm. And it was also directed by Edward Dimitri. Dimitrik. D-Y-M-Y-T-R-Y-K. Did you hear that spelling? Yeah. I did. It was great. It's a lot of whys. Anyway. Goodbye. And time to wrap it up. Ho, ho, hope you'll be listening again soon. I love it because it was a double. It totally got me. I liked the first one and then I liked it even better.